0: At a time when many of life's little luxuries have been taken away or at least put on hold, our sponsor Ole is here to ensure we can all still indulge in some of the finer things in life. I am in love with their retinol collection. I have tried all the creams, lads, and I mean all of them, and this makes my skin feel. Incredible. Really glowy, really strong, really bright, which in winter is a tricksy old thing. With Ole, I can face anything. Seriously. Anything. And there's a lot going on. Let's be honest builder's socks on a cold day my local barista for knowing my order off by heart and the feeling of getting into a freshly made bed rare but special there are a million things that i'm grateful for today but what is my guest thankful for
1: a lot of us for whatever reason feel that we're not worthy of receiving that kind of love and all you do is sit there and go i want that i want that and you're sitting there going hello dorothy it's been there all along (laughs)
0: welcome to thanks a million i'm angela scanlon and this is the show that takes a sneaky look at my guests gratitude list to find out the things that have shaped their lives My guest today is TV presenter and judge, radio DJ, best-selling author and absolute diva in the best possible way. You might know her for her fierce looks and a classic comments in a little show called RuPaul's Drag Race. Or you might know her for waltzing across the Strictly Ballroom in 2019. She was incredible. It's Michelle Visage. Of course it's Michelle Visage. It's Michelle Visage. Before we pop into the app, I'm going to share a couple of your Thanks a Million trios, which you've still been sharing with me on Instagram, and I absolutely love them. First up, Cynthia. Today, I'm grateful for precious friends, my wonderful family and my hard-won independence, all of which I fear for just now. You're a great and comforting presence to connect with here when community matters so intensely. Grateful for that too. I love that. I love the honesty and the vulnerability on Instagram right now. It's not usually, to my mind at least, where that happens. But it's it's lovely and I'm very grateful for that. Sunshine, blue skies and mermaid pool swimming with friends. That's from Kellen in Cornwall. A day off making pumpkin risotto mm, and cuddling my pooch. My boyfriend, my parents and my health. And Sarah Carlos... Three things I'm grateful for today, being healthy, having friends and family around for support and Christmas movies coming out of my ear holes. Is it too early? It's never too early. In this beautiful and honest conversation, we cover everything from that Strictly Vogue dance which divided the nation to being bullied at school and therapy. There's quite a bit of therapy chat. So put your feet up, sit back and enjoy the app. What part Um, of Dublin
1: are you from? Are you from Dublin?
0: I'm actually from outside Dublin, but most people think I'm a dub. Mead. Oh, County Mead. Next county over, yeah. Yeah. County Mead, said like a true Irish woman. That's Um, it. Yeah. Have you been? I've been, you know, I was a judge in
1: Ireland's Got Talent, so I spent loads of of time Of course you were
0: yeah ah so you know that place pretty well I so do where did you go after where would you go out after doing Ireland's Got Talent well the first series we shot in Drogheda oh yes sexy <laughs> <laughs> I go to all the best places Angela <laughs> Drogheda I mean that is as glam as it gets isn't it did you have yeah. a pint of Carlsberg I don't drink but I watched everybody
1: else do it I had you know Pizza Express, although you don't call it that there, do you?
0: No, it's Milano. Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Which sounds really exotic. Very Italian. Very Italian. My mom says Italian. I'm like, mom, it's Italian. Play cool, okay? No, I love an Irish man. Funny, how funny? How was lockdown for you? You're in the UK now, right? I'm in the UK now in lockdown okay.
1: yet again, doing my yeah. my part as a good citizen, uh, mm-hmm. quarantining for 14 days. Uh, it, you know, I, I've often joked that married people aren't meant to spend that much time together. We are not meant to spend this much time together. I think married couples are great and you come together, but I don't believe in marriage coming together to complete and make one whole. I believe mm-hmm. that we're whole on our own and we come together and, and you know, make whatever you want, but it's not completion. You need to find completion in yourself. So um, I believe that (laughs) spending this much time together after being together for 24 years, I understand why divorce rates are up. I understand why, you know, some of these things have gone through the roof because A, we've never been through this before. And B, it's a lot of together time when we do need solace, we do need Mm -hmm. time alone. So, you know, I kind of, my poor husband, because I'm not home a lot of the year. So he's excited that I'm there. And he's like, okay.
0: let's do everything together. And I'm like, oh, let's chat. Hey. So it's quite novelty for him. And you're like, Jesus, I'm suffocating. Leave me alone. <laughs> because most
1: of the year I'm working when I'm not yeah. there. I think he thinks I'm out just going to the mall and seeing friends, which I am. But I'm also working. <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm hustling. I'm doing what I got to do because I'm the one who pays the bills. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I get home, it's like my relaxation time. And my family is my salvation. They are, you know, my sanctity and my place Mm -hmm. where I feel comfortable and fully able to be myself, the good, the bad, warts and all. Um, So, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot of together time for everybody out there. I'm sure parents with young kids, it's a lot. And that's not to say that you don't love them or you're not fit to be a parent. No,
0: it's just reality is we usually have time away. You mentioned about hustling and that kind of, I I know I've heard you use that term in reference to yourself and to your journey for want of a better uh, term. Do do you still feel like you're hustling? Is that a kind of state of, of mind or has that finished because, you know, you've a certain amount of, notoriety and cash and whatever else.
1: That's very sweet. Um, I don't think the hustle ever ends, to be honest. Mm. If you watch Joan Rivers' last documentary, um, she was, I think, when they, when they after she passed, they realized she was worth like $160 million. But yet this was a woman who still would go to a restaurant and take like the sweet and low packets or the sugar substitute packets because she grew up with nothing. Mm. Um, and for me... I have a lot of the same fears and a lot of the same mentality. I didn't grow up with nothing. I wasn't dirt poor. I would say we were like lower working middle class, you know, um, Mm -hmm. people. Both my parents worked. I was a latchkey kid, let myself in and out of school and to in and out of the house to go to school and from school. And um, so I've worked for everything because I saw how hard my parents worked. It was an example. So I knew that I had to work that hard. Mm-hmm. And I have two kids in uni and uni is w- way more expensive in the United States. It's actually a crime. It's actually disgusting yeah, what, yeah. Uh, what we have to pay for kids to go to uni. So to answer your question very long windedly, the hustle is far from over because um, I haven't gotten to where I would like to be or I see myself. So, um, the hustle for me, it, it's, it's a little bit easier cause I, my name has a little bit more recognition, but it's still like, especially in the UK, I'm still having to prove myself because Americans are not globally accepted as their own. And we are way more enamored with the UK accent than with an English accent than everybody is over here then with the an American. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because yeah, I did radio okay. for nearly 20 years. I was a, breakfast show presenter in the States and quite successful and I remember trying to start pitching that over here years ago before I even did Big Brother so we're talking six, seven years ago and they were like "Mm, you don't really don't really want an American accent on the radio over here and I was like I'm so skilled at what I do I was like the Chris Moyles back then but over in New York and I couldn't understand why I wouldn't even be given the opportunity but it's just the way that the world is it's British people, English people are proud, you know? You so know, you're blatant, Irish. Though. That's
0: so blatant. Yeah. I so feel I've like had they to could fight. have styled it out
1: a bit. <laughs> but that's what I love about the English, you see.
0: And that's what I love
1: about the Irish as well. You guys Directness. are. That's it, direct. Mm. And Irish yeah. people, well, Irish people do this thing up. They're like, ah, 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 and then I like, go, oh, you like it? They're like, no, shit. It was shit It was absolute (laughs) shite But you know It's that thing where you think you have to be polite And British people are always polite Yeah, And and the way that they'll tell you Will be polite Oh Mm. we love Michelle but And it's like I can read between the lines Yeah. So for me the hustle never stops And I love this country in particular Because of that Way of being and, Mm -hmm. And I don't care if I have to work harder I love it here I belong here
0: a, is me. this your spiritual
1: home? It is. You know, I of, people often say, well, what is it about the UK that you love? Biggest trip we ever took. I was 13. My brother was 10. We came to the UK. We did oh. England, Scotland, and Wales. And it was a really, really big deal. And I remember being 13, and I was fully invested in the, in the London punk rock scene.
0: Mm. I was
1: uh, the hugest... Um, Sex Pistols Fanatic, the idea of Old King's Road, um, all that whole punk rock scene, all the Mary Quant and all that stuff oh, was yeah. like, I would read about it because we didn't have computers and I would like research it and and I would go to the markets and buy like badges with like pictures of punk rock people on it. And I was obsessed. So the first time we came over here, I felt like I was at home. I fell in love with a boy in Stratford-upon-Avon, which they went to for me because I was a big Shakespeare girl and, you know, being a little theater kid, I was obsessed with it. I fell in love with this punk rock kid. Like it was magical. I was 52 years old and I'll never forget my trip. I went to Carnaby Street before it used to be a market before it turned into what it is now. It was just the the trip of a lifetime and the only trip we really took like that ever with my family. So that was a it goes back to then and being mm-hmm. here and having some weirdly deja vu, surreal, other world, other lifetime moment. And every time I get off the plane in Heathrow, I feel like I'm home and I don't know why. So I knew that I always knew that I had a connection to here. I just can't explain it better than that. I bet you if I did some kind of past life regression.
0: I was just going to say yeah. past life regression. I bet you, um, you know, were a queen maybe. OK. Or like right. the lady. I feel like you may have been... A lady of the manor you see the way I'm doing that little hand. I feel like there is a kind of, yeah. There's. See, I always of... felt I would be working class. Like I always felt I would be in downstairs at oh, no. Downton Abbey. Absolutely not. Really? That's the way you carry yourself, a hundred percent. You, ha- you were a queen in a past life. Do
1: you reckon?
0: I mean, I d- there is no shred of doubt about that in my mind. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. Um, I just think the way you, you, um. The way you carry yourself and your aura. Not that I like can read auras, but I think I'm a bit oddly psychic.
1: But can you read an aura? <laughs> uh,
0: Thank you. I? No. <laughs> Michelle Visage, what are you thankful for today? Well, we
1: have to be thankful for our health. You know, I think there's different different levels of health um, out there. I think we all struggle with something daily or if you're neurotic like me, think something's wrong and diagnose on WebMD, something wrong every day. But I think what we should be grateful, all of us for every day is our health right now. Um, Mm -hmm. There's so many things that are obvious. I think, you know, everybody knows about their family, their mother, their father, their children. I'm an adopted kid. So I'm super grateful for the opportunity that I had in life. Mm -hmm. Um, But today... Help. I'm grateful
0: for my health and being here talking to you Angela. Same. Do you wake in the morning do you consciously because you mentioned gratitude a couple of times before we've even you know gotten into the hard questions. Um, do you do you consciously kind of participate in in the practice if you like of gratitude? Do you wake up and go Oh, wow. I feel good. I am alive. I, you know, I have my health. I do it. I do it every day.
1: Not mornings, which is weird because a lot of people talk about when they wake up, thank God they made the night and they do their gratitude. I usually do my gratitude at night when I do my meditation. It's easier for me just to lump it all in together because it's just the way that I flow. So at night when I lay down, I kind of go through my gratitude journal in my head thank everything for the day and then go into my meditation
0: and so what kind of meditation
1: i have to do guided meditation because i'm a crap meditator yeah so otherwise my i listen too much and i'll go my god is my heart beating irregularly or oh my god (laughs) you know what i mean so it's easier for somebody to talk me through it and i'll Mm. use different different meditations i use an app and i've used it for years and i love it what app is it I use Insight Timer. Oh,
0: yeah, it's good, isn't it?
1: There are a lot. Calm is wonderful. There are a lot. But Insight yeah. Timer is great because you can choose the meditation. Like, I love this woman called Glenda Cedarleaf. Okay, and good name. Her, it's great name. And her voice is very calming and soothing. Okay. So when you're going to sleep, she does, she reads the bedtime stories, which I don't get into, but she does a lot of proper, you know, Healing meditations, gratitude meditations, anxiety meditations, which nice. are important right now with Corona and everything going on. And I love her voice. And there's another guy called David G. Those are two that I really, really love. Um, it's it's I'll listen to meditations and be like, nope, next, next. It's the voice you connect with and the vibe that you connect with. It's so
0: personal. It's like a therapist. What is your thank fuck for this? So the thing that you would be absolutely lost without. You know, everybody probably
1: says their phone, which is boring. Mm -hmm. And that's an obvious question. I think for me, I'd be lost without my friends. Um, As I was just talking to somebody yesterday, literally about this, as we get older, and I'm going to say even starting at like 30 changes happen with our friends. Our circle of friends starts to get smaller. And I'm not talking about because they're dying. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm talking about because people change and you start to see people for who they are and what they represent. Or Mm -hmm. you realize that you're you're not really on the same path in life and you don't really care about the same things. And that's okay. But you realize that it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So I would be lost without my little circle of friends. I turn to them for everything. They know everything and they still love me. That's the that's kind of the telltale sign of a good friend. A really, truly good friend won't get offended easily. Um, they'll understand that you are going through something and that, or that you need them, whatever the situation is. So I think I'd be lost without my true friends.
0: You know, you referenced earlier on about marriage not being the thing that completes you. And there is a lot. I think that's a kind of slightly fairytale thing or something, not fairytale, but something that's fed to us a lot is this idea that the other person will complete you when you find your soulmate or whatever that might be, that you will feel... You know, complete, which, as you say, is absolute horseshit. And I think is really like it's a really troublesome kind of uh, line to be fed, because then when you do find the person and you fall in love and, you know, you're high as a kite for a few years and then you come down from that and you don't feel complete. You're like, well, if it must be him, you know, that because you've been led to believe that he or she Um, is the the cure-all do you believe that friends um kind of sometimes we expect a friend to to be everything to us listen
1: marriage is sacred marriage is beautiful marriage is Mm -hmm. lovely and I love it and I love my husband we've been together for 24 years he knows everything about me again still loves me he loves every single thing about me and vice versa. And I love that. But I think we're fed this fairy tale from the beginning. You can go back to, you know, Disney stories and the princess is always waiting for the prince when the princess has had it all along. And I know Mm -hmm. it's a little feministic attitude and I'm a proud feminist, but I think waiting for somebody to complete you and make you happy is not fair to our children, to teach them that story, especially to our girls. They don't need a man or whatever to uh, complete you or mm-hmm. make you happy. I think you need to find your own happiness in this life. And as far as friends go, I'm and like, you know, you've heard that thing, I don't know where it was, in a movie or Shrek or something where they say, you know, I was a walking C and then I met my other C and together we made a O and that's, you know, yeah. no, that's no. I think that you complement one another but I don't think you complete one another. And mm-hmm. with my friends, I don't look to them to plug holes that are leaking. I really don't. Okay,
0: Great. That's
1: exactly you did interpret. Which I, think I don't is a fair... that's a lot of pressure to yeah. put on somebody. But I have no expectations when it comes to them. But I know I know how they're going to be. I guess that's just from it's a comfort zone or whatever you want to call it. I don't say, well, you're supposed to do this for me. No, because they just kind of do it. And I think that is a vibrational thing. And if they don't do it, you know, then what's that saying about me? If I get upset that they don't do it? Mm. No, I I have to look to myself to figure this out. Now, they can be sounding boards and they could give me advice, but that doesn't mean that I'll take it and it doesn't mean that I want it, but that's what friends are there to do. So... I think looking to somebody to to fix you in any situation, whether it's weddings, uh, marriage, friendship, children, whatever, children is wrong because mm. you're using them in a way that's not fair to them. Yeah. When really you have to do the work on yourself.
0: Mm. And is that is that something? Because I know you spoke and 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 speak openly about therapy. And, oh yeah. Did that realisation, you know, come to you after a few years or have you always had that kind of sense?
1: No, that comes with age. You know, Mm. I'm 52. So it's like I've lived, you know, quite a bit on the streets of New York. I've learned the hard way. Um, I think I used to be very codependent when it came to boyfriends. Uh, My expectations were always really high. I did learn very young that I was constantly let down. Um, And I realized, oh, maybe I'm the problem. Maybe my expectations are way too high, which became a problem on the other side because then I was like, well, I'm not going to expect anything. And then you can't really be honest and have a nice Mm -hmm. relationship. So if you can just be you, don't expect, and just put your whole self into, and if you receive what makes you happy without expectation, then you found something. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. we do have expectations in life and that's okay with certain things like a job, you Mm -hmm. know, you're expected to perform a certain way and then they're expected to take care of you. Um, But in relationships, I think we do expect love from one another care, comfort, but anything outside of that, I think is worthy of a discussion and Mm -hmm. therapy absolutely helped me through so many hard times. And I learned through living with age comes wisdom. That's not a lie. You know, if I looked back at 20 year old me, it would be like, oh, honey, stop. You don't need that validation all the time, constantly looking for validation. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, what happens with social media and youth today is they're so worried about validation and and how many likes they get or, you know, the comments. And it's like, no, no, actually, you should disable your comments because they're the ones that are poisoning your mind.
0: Mm. So
1: it took me a while and it took me loads and loads of therapy to get to a place of being complete with myself and being happy with myself. Um, And that does come with age, but it also comes with a lot of grafting, hard work.
0: You mentioned about... about Seeking previously validation, but also about uh, receiving the things that you need within a relationship. And it's funny, I do think sometimes we, we want all these things. We kind of are aware of the things that we're not getting, but actually a lot of the time we don't accept them we 're not able to receive love, so even if, if somebody 's giving it to you, if you 're not in the in receiving mode, if you like, if your heart is not open enough to, to bring it in, then you know everyone can be chucking love at you, but you 're not going to feel it
1: that 's a big one. Um, it happens a lot where mm. It's, it's been there all along. You're just not able to see it. You're not able to receive it. Because a lot of us, for whatever reason, feel that we're not worthy of yeah. receiving that kind of love. And all you do is sit there and go, I want that. I want that. And you're sitting there going, hello, Dorothy. It's been there all along. <laughs> I'm giving Cle- it to you. For I'm God's giving sake. it to you. Just, yeah, take <laughs> it. And that happens. Correct. That happens mm. a lot. Or yeah. you, the, another thing that happens a lot is you think you want one thing. When that is not what you need. So you want that, let's say, you know, bad boy, but really that bad boy is not going to make you happy. It's mm-hmm. that's just the thing of conquering and winning yeah. the, the competition instead of getting what you need to really fulfill you and yeah. make you happy. So, so that's yeah, ego, it's, isn't it? It, our ego gets in the way a lot. And if you don't really know about ego, you can read anything by the great
0: Eckhart Tolle to understand. Oh, I to love understand. it, Eckhart. Yeah. Um, have you listened to himself and Oprah talk about a new earth? Well, I have the audio book. Yeah. So she did, as part of her Super Soul Sundays, um, she did a, like, chapter by chapter yes. conversation with Eckhart. It's like a series. Yeah. Amazing. Um, and yeah. I find I think he's amazing, but I find his voice is so, um, it's so it's monotone. A lot. It's, a, it's lot. a lot. Like you know, So you'll yeah. have to do
1: chapter by chapter to not go bonkers. But um yeah. yeah. He's a very deep. Well, Marianne Williamson is another one with her Course in Miracles and A Return to Love. And that one of the best books ever written right there. A Honestly, Return to Love. I sent
0: it to my sister the other day. I absolutely, absolutely Love it. It is like profound. It's one of the few books that I've got that I've literally defaced. It is. There's lumps. It's so good.
1: It's one that I constantly give people and I constantly quote and talk about. And, you know, for me, there's a chapter in it that was very, very profound where she talks about types of relationships and why people come and go.
0: Mm -hmm. in your
1: life where your eyes can meet somebody in a grocery store and that's the end of that relationship but it was meant to happen in that minute or you're with somebody for a week or you're with somebody for a month or even 20 years and that relationship has come to a close yeah Um, it's just very interesting because I never thought about things that way and instead I'd be devastated if a relationship ended because I didn't want it to end or a friendship ended because I didn't want it to end but really it's there's so much more to it than just that Mm -hmm. and there's so much more than just me in this relationship. It's
0: very deep. Yeah. Very deep. And also I think that the whole point of that is, is, you know, that it's a lesson and it's growth and that we don't own anybody or we don't own people and relationships. We do, they kind of almost like they don't owe us anything. We learn and we go on the yeah. journey and then when it's over, that's what needed to happen kind of thing. Um, okay, the thank you next, Michelle. So this is like a chapter of your life that is, uh, that's closed and that you're very glad to see the back of. In my book,
1: I write about how I, I don't live life looking in the rear view mirror because mm. then I'd crash. So I try not to live in regret ever. I try not to have any regrets ever. Um, you know, I, and people have asked me before if I have regrets and Ru, RuPaul has said to me before, that sometimes I shouldn't... He said, did you ever consider... He didn't tell me what to do. Have you ever considered not being so open about every single thing in your life? And I always say, I never even think about that because for me, you know, these stories you'll see in these tabloids are always being exposed. And if you're honest about everything, you can't really be exposed. No skeletons will ever fall out of my closet. Mm. Um, I, I have been in... Some relationships in the beginning of my youth, you know, my teenage years, my early 20s, that I were very damaging. And even though I knew it when I was in it, I never did anything about it because I was a victim Mm. and I allowed myself to be a victim, even though I knew it. And I would kind of stand up for myself, but I instead of breaking up with the person, I would just stay in the relationship and. I was so insecure with who I was, who I looked like, what I looked like, my body issues, that I think I just tolerated it because I maybe yeah. I thought that's all I was worth or whatever. Um, and that stuff, the all that stuff, you know, I think it lingers. But I'm so glad that I can like. I've gotten my implants out. I have made peace with kind of who I am. I try to be as healthy as I can and realize I'm not going to look like what I looked like when I was 20. And that's okay, too. I've had two C-sections, two, you know, two kids. I've lived a life. I still continue to live a life. And I'm happy with it. I think I'm really thankful that those horrifying years of wanting to please others before Mm -hmm. I please myself is behind me. And I I wish that message could be heard by the entire population, especially of young girls, because we are so taught by society that we have to look a certain way and behave a certain way to be liked by a man or a boy. And it's so unfair to these these young kids, boys too, but I think it affects girls in a different way at a younger age where body dysmorphia kicks in because we see people you know, on social media that are not real in any way. And we're supposed to look like them naturally. And that's not going to happen. And girls don't ever make peace with their bodies at a young age. Instead, they're beating it up. They're not eating. They're taking diet pills or or whatever, you know, surgically enhancing. And it's just, it's devastating to me. Mm -hmm. So I am kind of so glad that that chapter of my life is behind me because it was it was a long one it was an arduous one and it was one that really affected my mental state for I don't know 30 years it's a tough one yeah
0: and so you mentioned about about body issues what how did that manifest itself what was what were you dealing
1: with I had knee disorder for many many years I talk about that in my book as well I went away for it
0: yeah
1: um and the thing is here's the reality People that see me on the telly, people that, you know, and not just me, people that see us or, you know, in these these tabloids that put these headlines of, you know, saying calling somebody stunning or whatever. You're you're obviously body shaming them. Mm. And the words that you use, like, why would you put a picture of somebody like that up there when they're obviously going through some shit? It's not fair. It's not nice, you know, and. They do it for the clicks. It's clickbait, and it's just, it's just really, really awful. And yeah, uh, I don't I don't remember the question, but I started thinking about recently a paper publishing a picture of um, a singer, an American singer, who's gained clearly a lot of weight, a lot, mm-hmm. meaning like sixty pounds, a lot. Okay, and shaming her. And she obviously wasn't ready to deal with it because she went onto her social media account and said, uh, "This is me," and like held up a sign, "This is me now," which yeah. obviously wasn't because the pictures were her. It just it was heartbreaking for me that she was being put through this, and I'm not going to say yeah. her name because it was disgusting. Um, and my heart broke for her because she should be allowed to go through what she's going through and not be scrutinized. Mm. Now, I understand that there's a certain level of celebrity and when you're out there, you're out there. But God, but God, don't shame these people. Leave her alone. Yeah. Why do you need to publish that for clicks in your paper? Mm.
0: But I think there's a, a, such a, a lack of understanding around eating disorders as, a, as an addiction by comparison to, to other um, coping ah. mechanisms, if you mm. like. You know, that people, you know, even within friendship groups can be like, oh, this is so frustrating. She's not eating. We're out for dinner and she's ruining our dinner. Like there's a lot of people who can't quite understand the complexity of eating disorders. Did you did you experience that or was it were there people around you who had enough kind of um, compassion or enough understanding to hold you at that time? See, it's something that nobody can understand in the moment for the most part. That's the frustrating
1: part about it is like your parents will say, why are you not eating? And they'll scream and they don't understand that. You're like, I'm going to take you to somewhere. And it's like, I'm not ready to deal with it. So I'm not going, you know, and it becomes that intervention thing, which my Mm -hmm. mother had to do with me. But um, it's difficult. There's no I don't even have really any advice, because when it comes to that, if you're not ready for it, it's not easy. And it's really hard to be sympathetic or empathic with people that, you know, that go through it because it's not, it's not understood yeah. because there's people you'll hear people. I've heard radio hosts say all the time, well, why don't you just stop eating? Well, it's not like that for overeaters or mm-hmm. emotional eaters or whatever the situation is. It's, yeah. it's not as cut and dry. It's like telling an alcoholic, well, why don't you just stop drinking? Exa- because it's exactly an addiction.
0: That. Yeah.
1: Addictions don't work that way. Mm-hmm. Addictions are just like you said, complex. They're complicated. They need professionals, and it is an addiction. It's just the way that it is. So for me, um, I didn't overeat until later in life. Um, food's always been complicated yeah. for me, and I've abused my body, and I'm suffering the outcome of it. You know, now with the health issues. So mm. that's why it's important to you know, help somebody instead of judge somebody.
0: The thanks
1: that got away, Michelle. The thanks that got away would be my mom. Um, My mom passed away 22 years ago and it was kind of sudden. It was sudden. It wasn't kind of sudden. It was sudden. I knew something was going on. She hadn't gone to the doctor. They ended up taking her to the hospital and then she had a massive stroke. Now she didn't die right away. She was on life support. I don't mean to take the tone all the way down. But the point is, by the time I got to sit down and tell her how grateful I was, she was on life support. Did she hear me? I don't know. I'm hoping she did. Um, I had three months of her being traked, you know, on life support and keeping her alive and Mm -hmm. me whispering things in her ear. And I remember the last thing I said to her when I saw how much pain she was in, which was, I'll take care of Daddy and David, my brother. I got this. You can trust me. Don't worry. And then I went right from that into the matriarch role of my family after she died. And I never really got a chance to sit down because I am adopted and tell her how thankful and grateful I am still to this day for every opportunity that I've ever gotten because I met my biological mother when I was 25 and my life would have been very, very different. Very different, not worse, just different. I have two sisters from my biological mother, two half sisters, and they're wonderful and they loved their life. But their life is very different to mine, you know, Mm. and I wouldn't have gotten I don't think I would be where I am without the opportunity of my family raising me and believing in me. You know, when I Mm. say to my mother, well, I want to be an actress. Most mothers gonna be like, well, you're going to get a job. And my mother said, well, then you're going to go to uni to be an actress, you know. Amazing. So it's not an easy thing to say, but I never got a chance to really properly thank her for the life she gave me.
0: And was that a world that she understood, you know, when you as a as a kid said, acting is is what I want to do? Was that was there any background on her side or was she literally like, if that's what <laughs> God, you want? No, no, <laughs> I'll take that as a no,
1: no, God, no. She was tone deaf, didn't have an acting bone in her body. But I either wanted to be a veterinarian. I'm very passionate about animals and saving mm-hmm. animals and not eating animals and things like that. Um, so when I told her I wanted to be a veterinarian, she's like, well, That's 12 years of school. I was like, I know. And knowing in her mind, she knew damn well there was no way I was going to get through medical school because I am just not academia savvy. I struggled, you know, dyslexia, all that stuff. But Mm -hmm. um, I'm quick with the with the street smarts. But when it comes to book smarts, not as much. I'm well read, but like maths and things like that. Not Mm -hmm. so great science. So she I said, well, the only thing I want to do in life is be a performer. And she's like, well, then that's what you're going to do. And I was like, oh,
0: amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is amazing because my kids now I'm making them go to uni, but neither one of them. The younger one, Lola, got bit by the bug and she took acting classes. And she said, you know, after a while, she said, this is really hard work. Mm
0: -hmm. And I said,
1: yeah, it is hard work to be good at your craft. You know, they say 10,000 hours makes you
0: proficient right
1: i don't know about a master i feel like ten thousand hours isn't enough to be a master i've definitely been a parent right haven't i been a parent i don't know math wise yeah probably how long 10 out yeah (laughs) and i'm not a master you know Mm -hmm. i struggle with trying to be the best parent that i can be i've made loads of mistakes
0: but i feel like that's trying to be a master at being human rather than trying to be a master at a quantifiable skill
1: fair i'll I'll accept that
0: yeah. I think we're never going to master the old human thing, really, no, are we? I
1: think you're
0: right. <laughs> I've slightly, like, given up that pursuit. I'm like, it's yeah. fine. I'm learning till I die.
1: Here, eat your food off the ground. Go yeah.
0: on. <laughs> You'll be fine. It's good for your microbiome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just on the performance thing, I watched, again, your uh, Vogue... Dance from Strictly. Ah, Wow. How many times a week do you rewatch it?
1: You know, I can't, believe it or not, I can't watch the Vogue one because... Can you not? That's the one that I was sent home on and yeah. it was so important to me and I understand that most of the British public, not all, most of the British public wouldn't understand what it meant and mm-hmm. how important it was and to me, anyway, and Gio, he was on board with it too, but... Totally on board. He was so wonderful and it meant... Yeah. It meant everything to me. And I I knew that it was taking a risk that the judges might not understand it. I truly couldn't understand how Craig and Bruno wouldn't have loved it, being two gay men. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I wish I had known that maybe if we threw in a little part in the middle where we were in a ballroom hold or something, they would have understood it a little bit more or judged it differently. But uh, it was so important to me. It's the one dance that I can't watch, but I have watched all of the other ones Endlessly, I am so proud of what we did. Oh, yeah, I'm proud of Vogue too. It just it hurts my heart because I wanted to go on. Our next dance was going to be tango, and we were going to be amazing. And there was just and so many things I wanted to do.
0: Do you think they just they just missed the point? Remind us of if anyone didn't see it. So you're in Blackpool. And, I mean, hotly, like, it felt like from the beginning you were were in pretty good shape as a dancer. There was a confidence there, there was a very natural rhythm. It was like, oh, okay, Visage is one to watch. And then Vogue, Maison de Michel, you as Marie Antoinette, I want to say.
1: Yeah. Well, it was a a tribute to Madonna's 1990 Video Music Awards performance Performance, of it, which I think is the best performance that she ever did. And I remember back then, because we didn't have the computers and stuff, we knew that Madonna was going to open the MTV Awards and everybody would be watching. We're talking Mm -hmm. millions and millions of people, not what it is today. And watching and she came out like that and everybody everybody was talking about, it. everybody yeah. was talking about it. It made the papers, it was in magazines. So I thought, if we're going to do this, let's do the attribute to this. And she's my mm-hmm. idol. So, um, and then it was my nod to the community, to the LGBTQIA plus community that means so much to me as an you know an ally and brothers and sisters and friends and family. And it was just my thank you letter that I wanted to do on such a huge platform. Mm-hmm. Again, taking a risk, knowing that, the majority of people might not understand it but maybe they can open their mind to the theatricality of it. Yeah. Um just... and Gio and I thought oh this is going to be the first
0: 410s. This is it. Like Yeah. We were like we know we're taking a risk but this is amazing. But also it it was amazing and it was iconic but like the the timing, the precision, the flourish, like you know, obviously I'm not a judge on strictly but watching it was like I got goosebumps watching it which doesn't happen like I'm not a wild Strictly fan I like the show but I wouldn't be literally sitting there you know frothing but it was it was it was like quite a moment so I can see why you know you were so um yeah I was confused yeah I was upset I was confused it is what it is
1: it's a competition so You know, somebody's got to go. And that week was our week. I'm glad I got Mm -hmm. to Blackpool. Um, But it was confusing because I was like, did I miss something? I know you're, you know, the the overwhelming response was, well, that wasn't dancing. But that was dancing. That's what vogueing is. Because you don't know how to vogue or, you know, modern dance or whatever it is. Are you going to say that's or you're going to say that, you know, that's a part of a culture that is dance it might not be anything you're used to, but sometimes we have to open our minds and expand. And I wanted to be the first person to take that risk and do it on a huge platform like Strictly. And with risk comes consequences. Mm. And that's what happened. But mostly I was sad for Geo because I wanted Geo to really win. Not that I, you know, in my head, I don't know if I really had a chance, but we were on a really good trajectory yeah. towards that glitter ball, and I was kind of devastated. But I'm praying they do it an all-stars, and I will definitely come back for that.
0: The gift, Michelle, that you are most grateful for? Oh, how do you answer that question? I want this to be frivolous and delicious. So, you know, you don't need to get um, sentimental. It can be a pair of seven-inch Boutons if you're that way inclined. I can't walk in seven-inch. I am, but I
1: only... S- I have to sit in them, not walk in them. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the gift, if we're going materialistic, that I'm most grateful for would probably be my car because I... So two things in my life that I had pictures up in my... Not two things, but I'll tell you. Growing up in my room, I told you I loved the Sex Pistols, but I was mm-hmm. also obsessed with the, the most prolific in my opinion, female rock band called the Go-Go's. They changed my life. So I would have pictures of the Go-Go's all over my room. I had pictures of Madonna everywhere. Like it was, I looked like I lived in a dorm because it was posters everywhere. Shrine. And then next to my shrine of Madonna was pictures of, it's an American car called a Corvette. You never see it here. I think I've only ever seen once in all my years here. And I've always wanted one. Always, my entire life, since I was 13, 14 years old. And then I had children. I could never afford it. I could never do it. I had to pay for this. So on my 50th birthday, I got a black Corvette with red interior. Oh, and it is the sexiest sexy. car I've ever seen. It's not like a Bentley or a Maybach. It's not super expensive. But when you have kids, they're, they're a priority. And it's a two-seater. And I was like, well, Mm. how's this? You know, all those things. I felt guilty if I had spent money on it. So I got myself the Corvette for my 50th birthday. And I love it. It's not the most practical after having it now for two years.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But it's gorgeous. Quite symbolic, isn't it? When you have something like that, that literally has lived in your bedroom and in your head as a little dream. And then you manage uh, to to realize that.
1: Tell you what, I wish my mom was here to see it.
0: Mm. I
1: really do because she would've, they rented me one um, for prom for the weekend. And it was like, that's how long I've loved it. They rented me one um, to take down, uh, you know, you have Geordie Shore, which was based on Jersey Shore. And the Jersey Shore is is a real thing. So I grew up in New Jersey and I took the Corvette down the Jersey Shore. We'd cruise on the weekends, you know, just go cruising. It's the most amazing car. So the fact that it was a reality, I just wish she was here to see it. My dad mm-hmm. is, but I feel like my mom would have loved it more.
0: Just on, on that note of kind of realising, you mentioned in reference to Joan Rivers earlier on in the hustle at the start of the chat that you have not gotten to where you imagine you're going to be. What is the What's the dream gig? Like the Corvette was the dream car tick. What is the, the dream gig for you? Stream gig for me is probably chat based. I'm
1: just a talker. Mm. It's what I yeah. do. I like to make people laugh. I like to affect change in this world in people's lives. I like to be kind of a life coach, mentor to people. I don't know. You know, the the next Oprah sounds pretty great. <laughs>
0: I'll fight you for it. I'm joking. The balls. The balls
1: that I have. Exactly. I mean, it's everybody's dream. But I would ideally like to have my own show on uh, telly here and the U.S. successful shows. You know, these are the things that I try to manifest for myself every night. And I've been working since I'm 19. You know, I was in a girl group when I was 19. And that's kind of how it all started. Then Mm. I moved on to breakfast show presenting. And then I've always been kind of just... gratefully so working in this industry and I love this country and I want to lay down roots even more here you know I feel like I fit in here I belong here and this is where I want to be so that's kind of the ultimate goal being able to just assimilate into the life here my my family will come over at least my husband will my girls might be doing their own thing
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and happiness is key and love and health all of that it's what I wish for everybody Okay, the big thank you. I would say the big thank you would be to the LGBTQIA plus community because for me, when I moved to New York City to be a performer, to be an actress, go to you know stage school, I didn't know anybody. I had no friends, which most of us, when we go to uni, it's kind of that way, but I kind of didn't fit in. I was always a misfit in high school. You know, I, was, I always marched to the beat of my own drums and... Nobody really understood me. Picked on quite a bit when I was younger. By the time I got to high school, I didn't care. So I I I just didn't care. I told you I was really into punk rock. I dressed like a freak. I loved it. Didn't care. That was my (laughs) self-expression. But when I moved to New York City and became part of the community and was accepted in as this straight, you know, white, cisgender girl from central New Jersey, um, and they took me in as one of their own, I had a chosen family. That happened immediately. And I realized then and there that I had found my people and I never looked back. And I think a mm-hmm. lot of people use the gay community, they pander to them and they use them for their own benefits and then they'll kind of drop them and keep going. Be like, what happened to your you know, platform that you, I, and for me, I'll never leave. They'll always mm-hmm. be family to me and always be my number one commitment. Uh, when I do things and always keep that in mind. Am I going to be offending or am I in being inclusive? Inclusive. Yeah. And for me, my big thank you is to them for always loving and accepting me, which is why I fight just as hard now as I did back then for not just equality, but for understanding and for acceptance and, and understanding and trans rights and people to maybe open their mind a little bit more to us evolving as a society
0: Mm -hmm. instead
1: of keeping us in the dark ages so my big thank you is to them for always
0: loving always welcoming and always accepting me for from day one is it frustrating to have to you know even use that word you know fight to be still fighting for for rights and for equality
1: well the fact that we still have to use the word equality or gay rights is frustrating and for me Mm. I always say we fight until those words don't exist anymore, until we're just one society.
0: Yeah,
1: um, yeah it's frustrating. I mean, I've started this journey, I guess, 1986 I started, and um, I've seen some horrific things over the years. I've lost many friends due to horrific things that would go down in New York City. And, and if it wasn't AIDS or it wasn't drugs, there were murders, there were uh, you know beatings, horrible, horrible things. Mm -hmm. Um, that no human should have to suffer. So it is a fight. It's a continuous fight. You can see that, you know, trans people are still fighting, not just for their rights, but for their lives. It's ridiculous. At the end of the day, I do understand people maybe not understanding. But what I don't understand is the ignorance or the, you know, indignancy. Like, they don't want to learn or to be educated. It's not going to affect you. And you might not understand it, or you might not approve it, but you definitely should accept it because it's here and it's not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. What one person does with their life should not affect your life at all. So just go, okay, well, that's them. I'm just going to carry on with my life. And if we Mm -hmm. can all accept that attitude... And adopt that attitude, I think the world would be a better place with most yeah. everything. If it's not hurting you and it's not hurting society, because it's not hurting society. Mm-hmm. Acceptance. That's it. Acceptance yeah. is key. Love. Mm-hmm. Love wins every time. We yeah. are fear-based as, as a whole. We choose to operate out of fear. Mm -hmm. what if this what if so many gay people take over the world that we won't repopulate well really have you seen the world's population
0: i know seriously is
1: that really (laughs) what you're worried about like if we can just worry about ourselves and how are how today michelle how are you going to pay your bills how are you going to feed your body how are you going to feed your soul how are you going to make this world a better place just worry about what you're going to do not about what your neighbor's going to do then i think we'll be better Mm
0: -hmm. but until
1: then it's a fight
0: Big, big thank you to the all-round superstar that is Michelle Visage. I hope you enjoy that as much as I did and as ever, if that sparked... Some ideas about what you're thankful for, I'd love to hear all about it. So do drop me a line using the hashtag Thanks a Million Trio. And you can find me at Angela Scanlan via Instagram and Twitter. Michelle's very glamorous Instagram can be found at Michelle Visage, V-I-S-A-G-E. And she'll be back on the BBC with the UK's RuPaul's Drag Race in the new year. We are releasing new episodes every week so you can subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anywhere really, and do go check out all of our other brilliant guests that we've had on previous series and earlier in this series. Thank you to the production team at Rethink Audio and to you. Thanks a million! Side note, I have launched a newsletter because, you know, what else have I to be doing? You can go find it via my Instagram and I share things that I've been listening to and reading and watching, uh, some little recipes in there, loads of random shit really, but I think you're going to like it.